Hello everybody and welcome back to the War of the Words podcast, a brand new edition of the show. I of course am your host Andreas Giorgio, joining you all back on the airwaves after some time out. Um, yeah, it has been a little bit of a, a while since we've done a War of the Words podcast show. Fortunately, uh, I've just come to the end of my, my university degree. Uh, Staffordshire University has been um, you know, a fantastic three years, but obviously the, the final month, the last month has been very, very hectic, very busy for me. Um, with my my final project, my dissertation, uh, which is the the main reason why I haven't been able to pump out these shows every week like I like I've hoped to, um, but hey, we're back and hopefully now we're going to be going back to the the one a week schedule for the World of Words podcast. Uh, it's great to be back and you know I know you guys uh, really do appreciate the support while we've been gone and the listens continue to to drive up on all of the World of Words shows. So guys, you know as I said, we're here with a brand new edition and we've got a really good one for you guys because. Last weekend at the Barclaycard Arena in Birmingham, Bama 25, champion versus champion, did take place. We had Tom Dukinois become the promotion's first two-weight world champion, defeating Shea Walsh in the very, very first round to win that championship, to get that £135 belt, to add to his collection. Already has the £145 featherweight championship as well. So he's now the two-weight world champion. One fight left on his Bama contract, so we have to wait and see what he will do next. He's called for Alan Philpott. He wants that Lonsdale title, which um, is a, a British championship. I don't know if, if Duke and White actually understands that. It's a British championship, and um, to my understanding, he is ineligible to fight for that. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Either way, I'd love to see him fight Alan Philpott. I think that's probably the best fight out there at 135. Uh, maybe Ed Arthur as well, I really would like to see that, because that's the fight that we were talking about before Ed lost the belt to, to Shea last year. So guys, you know, to, to follow on from the Bama 25 theme, I got a couple of interviews at Bama 25 backstage. Um, one of those man's, as I just mentioned, Ed Arthur, who who had an absolute tremendous fight against Cameron Els. A lot of bad blood leaning into that fight. And Ed, admittedly, he said, you know, he, he was in trouble early on against Cameron Els. And Cameron, who's been training at Jackson Wink, Looked tremendous early on in that fight. He had a really, really tight dash choke in on Ed Arthur, who weathered the storm and came back. And with three seconds left of the first round, he got the victory. So we're going to be speaking to Ed Arthur about that fight. He's joining us on the show later in the episode. But as well, the premier guest this week it is absolutely tremendous uh, that I had the opportunity at Bama 25 um, when it was all said and done to speak to one of the best coaches in the world. Uh, Mr. Greg Jackson, the Jackson Wink head coach from Albuquerque, New Mexico. He was there cornering Tom Dukemore for his championship matchup. You know, Tom has been training at Jackson Wink for quite some time now, but this is the first time where Greg Jackson has travelled over from Albuquerque to, to corner Tom and the first of many to come. So really fantastic that I got to speak to Greg Jackson post-Bama 25 to talk about uh, Tom Dukemore and what is in store for him now that he is going to progress in his career, the sky is really the limit for Tom Dukemore, and Greg Jackson does agree. So we've got Greg Jackson and Ed Arthur joining us from Bama 25 on today's show. Those interviews later on in the podcast. But also today we've got a very, very exclusive interview with Pietro Menga. As you guys who follow UK MMA will know, that just the other night Bellator announced the undercard for their 158 London show, which takes place July 16th at the O2 Arena in London, and Pietro Menga announced on that undercard to face Spencer Hewitt in a flyweight bout, 
And uh, we're going to be chatting to Pietro. He's stopping by. I know, you know, War of the Words listeners will know Pietro Mega. He was on not too long ago. He's joining us back now to exclusively talk about the Spencer Hewitt fight. And, of course, the fact that he was scheduled to fight Ice FC and his opponent has got a broken arm. So we're going to be getting all the exclusive input from Pietro Menga as well right after the break to talk Bellator 158. But before we go to our first break of the show, let's talk about the big news, the major news in mixed martial arts. It's shook the foundations of of British MMA, in my opinion. A lot of people are talking about this, and a lot of people really kind of changed their outset on this. But the fact is that Michael Bisping will now face Luke Rockhold at UFC 199, June 4th in California, to get a middleweight title shot. Unfortunately, uh, Luke Rockhold was originally scheduled to face Chris Weidman, but Chris, who who wrote a very lengthy Facebook post, uh, had announced that he had a large extrusion herniation on his neck, which will require surgery, which he expects to be out for six to eight weeks recovering from surgery. He tried to, you know, get through to this fight. He tried to not have to take the surgery. He opted for potential injections, but they just weren't helping him with the pain. He was really struggling to train. So Chris Wyman will not get his immediate rematch against Luke Rockhold at UFC 199. And instead, the Brit Michael Bisping, who actually fought Luke Rockhold back in November 2014 in Sydney, Australia. He lost that fight by a second round guillotine. It was a, a, a very big matchup for Michael Bisping. And of course, that match propelled Luke Rockhold into the position now where he beat Chris Wyman for that world championship. So Michael Bisping, of course, will be fighting for a world championship almost 10 years since winning the third season of The Ultimate Fighter. He finally gets his shot, and he becomes the first Englishman to challenge for UFC goal since Dan Hardy did against GSP in March 2010. So obviously the whole of the British nation will be getting behind Michael Bisping June 4th when he challenges for that middleweight World Championship. Michael Bisping finally does it. He finally gets his shot. And the whole of Britain will be waiting in anticipation for the potential first British World Champion. Michael Bisping, Luke Rocco. So guys, don't forget, join us right after the break because we're going to have the exclusive chat with Pietro Menga 2.0 to talk his Bellator debut. We will see you in a sec. So obviously a, a Bama-themed edition of the War of the Words podcast this week. Ed Arthur, Greg Jackson, post-fight interviews from last Saturday's event in Birmingham, England. But this week in the UK, some breaking news on the undercard for the Bellator 158 London show, July 16th at the O2 in London. This man now who's on the air, we're going to have a quick chat with him. Uh, he, he was on the War of the Words podcast not too long ago, and it's great to have him back, actually. To, to talk about his fight in July, he did allude to it. Uh, he said he couldn't reveal anything, but the time is now. Uh, the word is out there, and Pietro Menga joins us back on the War of the Words podcast to discuss his fight against Spencer Hewitt at July 16. Pietro, welcome back to War of the Words. How's it going, bro? You all right? Yeah, I'm doing good, man. How are you? I mean, it's been a crazy kind of week for you. I mean, you were scheduled to fight at Ice FC 14. Your opponent broke his arm out of that fight. 
Um, obviously, you're not fighting there anymore. So before we talk a little bit about Spencer Hewitt, I just want to kind of get your thoughts about uh, the unfortunate, you know, surroundings. Uh, you won't be fighting at ICFC 14. Yeah, it's been a bit of an interesting week. You know, it's one of them um, UK MMA for you. You don't know what's gonna, you know, you don't know what's gonna come next. Um, yeah, we were scheduled to fight Eduardo Azevedo, and then it was it was a couple of weeks ago we got word that he wasn't um, doing too good, and then it came back that he suffered a broken arm. Um, so I'm sure I noticed he was looking at potential opponents, but I mean, I spoke to my coaching team, and I was kind of going with the idea that I don't want to fight some short notice, you know, standing and uh, kind of like. You know, let everyone down with a fam family and friends come. I don't really want to pay the tickets, and I, I fight a guy that I knock over in thirty seconds. So, yeah, the, the plan the plan is to sit tight and uh, you know look forward to to Bellator. And um, I've done a full camp, so there's a lot of positives to take out of it. I've done an eight week training camp in the build up for uh, Azevedo. It's unfortunate that he pulled out, um, but it's one of them things. You just got to take it on the chin. And uh, by the last twelve months have been a, a tough twelve months, but it's twelve months that have built a lot of character. So we we'll, we we'll go we we'll go on from here. I mean, you haven't fought uh, since the end of 2014. We talked about it on the, the last time you were on the War of the Words podcast about, you know, it being, you know, as Vader being an important fight for you, you know, to get rid of that ring rust. Now you're going to be going straight into that Spencer Hewitt fight, July 16th. Spencer, very well known in the UK MMA scene, very experienced. Is it going to do you any harm not having that warm-up fight against as Vader? No, to be honest, I think it's actually going to, in hindsight, it's going to work out to be more benefit. It's going to work out in my favour. If I would have had the, I wasn't looking at the Azevedo fight as a warm-up fight. He's got a better record and beating just as good guys as uh, Spencer Hewitt. So in no way was that a warm-up fight, like I said last time. So I would have gone in there, give it 100%, gone in, planned on finishing him. Took maybe a week off, a week off, and uh, and then built into the Bellator camp. But it might have took a little bit of motivation, a little bit of. A work, work ethic away from from this Bellator camp, but now I've I've, re, I've got a real fire built up just because of the letdown of not getting a fight this weekend. It's it just kind of all rolls into the next one, so it's a lot of it's all it's building up and it's building up and it's building up, and I'm yet to kind of I'm I'm yet to pull the trigger. So unfortunately for Spencer, it's going to be I'm going to pull the trigger on him first, and uh, that's that's how it is. Well, let's talk about that fight. And um, Bellator wanted the undercard. Bellator made the announcement just last night. Um, of the, the, the full undercard for the show, Mark Godbeer, James Mulherin, which is an absolute tremendous heavyweight fight. And it's highlighted by a lot of other really, really good UK MMA bouts as well. Chase Morton, Faneuil Wood, CJ Meeks, Danny Mitchell, so many yeah. good fights. And of course, you, Pietro Menga, on there against Spencer Hewitt. Spencer's 12-0. He's been around a very long time. He's fought a lot of tough guys. Um, you know, for you, how do you see this fight? Because it's really interesting because I look at you as a guy who has a bag of potential to, to use this platform to kind of catapult yourself into a lot bigger things. For Spencer Hewitt, it really yeah. is kind of do or die for him because, you know, after being around, he's taken a lot of losses against a lot of up-and-comers as well. Do you see, like, a bit of a difference in your career trajectories coming into this fight? Definitely. This is a do-or-die fight. And we got offered the fight and um, spoke to my coach about it and I was like, what, what do you think of this? And he was like, look, it's, this is his swan song. He, 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 he can beat you and leapfrog all the guys in the division. And he puts himself back in, you know, on the world scene against the top guys. Oh, this is this is his, uh, this is his last fight and he's on his way out. It's, uh, in my opinion, a very dangerous dangerous opponent with the concepts. You know, he's coming into it with everything to gain and, and you know, he's really got to put it all on the line. So, uh, it's interesting as well because we've trained together a couple of times as well. He's been up to Liverpool uh, and we're trained together, but it's all good. You know, it's, it's, it's business. We've 
did a bit of sparring and he came up when he had a, I think a cage warriors fight and did a bit of sparring with us. So uh, yeah, you know, I know him. I know him well. I don't really need to watch any footage on him because he knows me well um, from the sparring sessions and we're just going to get it on come fight night. Who got the better of those sparring situations? Nah, he stays in the gym, but <laughs> all you need to know is I will be pulling the trigger again when we when we get in there on fight night and uh you know, I've got a lot of respect for him. He's a black, he's a legit black belt. He's, uh, yeah. you know, he's never turned a fight down. Um, I kind of, I don't know whether he asked for the fight with me or whether the kind of the Bellator matchmakers just just thought that was the right match. But what once once I once I get the win there, I'm going on to. He's already talked about the Bellator introducing a flyweight division and for a potential flyweight title fight. So I'm my name's on that list for that vacant title if uh, if, if they're putting it up there. So right now, just to clarify, this is a, a one-fight deal, though, with Bellator. One-fight deal, and then after this fight, he's already, it's, we've, already, we've already spoken. I've just been still talking a minute. We've got, we've got to see what happens here first, get this, uh, get this out of the way and see how the show goes. And uh, there's already talk of, uh, you know, potential multi-fight deal. Um, but I'll sit down with my coaches and my manager and uh, discuss that, you know, when we get to it. That's got to be interesting for you, man. I mean, you know, from when we last spoke and we talked about all the issues and all the time off and really having to, you know, take a, a mental grasp of everything, coming back to mixed martial arts, to, you know, even falling out of the Esvedo fight, to now know that in, um, in July, sorry, you can fight Spencer Hewitt in a bout, which is a, a huge, huge event for, for mixed martial arts in the UK, Bellator's debut show over here, and it could be the launching pad for a flyweight division and, and for you to get a title shot as that, uh, does that put any pressure on you, man? Because that's a lot of things to kind of match up. No, that, that actually is so exciting to think. You know, 12 months ago, um, a year and a half ago, I'm sat there with, uh, you know, I guess when I spoke to you last time, I sat there in an hospital bed getting, my, getting my, my leg cut open and getting knee surgery. And now I'm one fight away from a uh, potential, uh, you know, Bellator title fight. But this isn't just talk. This isn't just somebody whispering sweet nothings in my ear. This, these are the people in the know what Bellator and, and the matchmakers saying this is this is what the projector is and this is what the plans are. So, you know, we go in there and we do maybe, maybe the same for Spencer if he goes in there and pulls off a win against me. But I can tell, I can assure you now that that's not going to happen. So, I am putting myself in line for a Bellator title shot with this win. And um, yeah, it's, it's exciting times. Obviously, it's been a bit of a roller coaster. And uh, but you know, I wouldn't want it any different. It's, it's you know, it's all about the, the memories and the journey. So it's going to be. Going to be a, a sweet cherry on top once, <laughs> once I get the win there. I can't wait. In terms of preparation, uh, are you planning to keep everything in, in Liverpool for this one? Yeah, I mean, I've just done a full eight-week training camp in Liverpool, so um, I plan on doing the majority of it here again. It went perfect. I, I mean, at the minute, I'm sat in a, I'm sat in a coffee shop chilling because I've had my coach told me to take a week off because I'm, I've been you know, so I'm absolutely firing on all cylinders. I'm, Walking around light, I'm walking around just over the bantamweight limit, uh, like 63 kilos. So uh, I need to put a little bit of weight on and uh, just wind down a little bit. Um, I might go over to train with Mark Henry and Frankie Edgar in New York, maybe get a couple of weeks out there if I can schedule it in. Um, but yeah, I, I won't be changing anything and everything will be will be going as as normal. How important would it to be get you know a little bit of time with with, with Mark Henry and? Um... Frankie Edgar, especially as we've just discussed, that this is a very, very big fight for the future of your career. Yeah, the, the, the training out there is so valuable. I mean, 
can't, like I said to you last time, I can't um, thank Mark Henry enough. He's, he really opened my eyes up. And to be honest, the changes I made with him, all the kind of light bulbs that he, he's, a, you know, he's not, a, he's not a magician. He, he just highlighted a few things in my game that I need to improve, helped me improve them, and all kind of made me aware of them. And I came home and I've, I've worked on that myself. And like I said, I've spent the last, I've probably had two, two, three months out of my surgery before I was back on the mats. And then all that time I've spent since then. Adding and tweaking my game, and uh, I'm, I'm absolutely guarantee that on fight night uh, that'll show. Lastly, I just want to ask you, Pietro, before we let you go here. Really do appreciate you uh, stopping by on the airwaves. Look, you've seen the card, you've seen the undercard, you've seen um, obviously the main card was announced a while back, and um, we've seen the undercard bouts announced. What do you think about this? Is a state of intention in Bellator that they are really looking at the the grassroots of UK MMA to find the best talent available at the minute? Yeah, definitely. I won't, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the prospects and some of the, some of the, even some of the veterans that are coming back to fight on the on the Bellator card get offered multi-fight deals after this. Um, I'm sure they, from what from what I'm being told, they've got shows planned in Europe. Um, I don't know if it's towards the end of this year, something in April, early next year. Um, so they definitely they plan on going worldwide, and um, I can't wait to be a part of it. It's you know really impressive. I'm sure we'll see a lot more UK and European talent getting signed up as well. Well, Pietro Manga. Uh, 2.0, as as we we like oh, to yeah. call you now. We'll get we'll get there eventually. <laughs> we will, we will. <laughs> um, I really do appreciate you uh, stopping by on the show to talk about obviously the breaking news against uh, Spencer Hewitt, July 16th as well. Um, obviously uh, you're in a coffee shop right now. You're you're enjoying your time off a little bit of time yeah. off there. I'm getting fat. I'm getting fat this week. <laughs> yeah, the downtime <laughs> before the big fight. So, um, what what are you drinking in the coffee shop? I'm on a, I've got a caramel latte and I've got a, a caramel, is it caramel and fudge muffin as well? Unbelievable. All out, you're going all out. After, all out. after eight <laughs> weeks of dieting and I'm working hard, I'm, I'm having this week where I just eat what I want and relax and I enjoy the finer things. It's always the little things that count when you've been dieting for so long. Well, it's great to hear that you're enjoying yourself, obviously, the calm before the storm. <laughs> On July 16th. So Pietro Menga, big, big thank you to you for joining us on the World of Words podcast. And for everyone else, make sure you stay tuned after the break. Because we're going to have the Ed Arthur interview from Bama 25 right up next. We will see you in a sec. So guys, that was Pietro Menga there to talk about his upcoming fight against Spencer Hewitt at Bellator 158 undercard. Uh, it's great to to have Pietro Menga, of course, back on the World of Words podcast. He's always a, a a real fun guy to chat to, and you know, as as we spoke about just there, a lot of things going into this fight, especially with the injury against Azevedo, uh, breaking his arm and forcing him, you know, out of that ICFC fight. For Pietro Menga, he now has bigger things to look towards and a potential multi-fight contract waiting for him if he can beat Spencer Hewitt on July 16th at the O2 Arena. Huge, huge fight for Pietro Menga, who without question is one of the best flyweights in the UK right now. But guys, I'm not going to hold you any further because I want to get on to the next interview as much as you guys do. And that, of course, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, at Bama 25, I had the privilege of speaking uh, afterwards to one of the victors uh, at the show, and that was Ed King Arthur, who beat Cameron Elsie in a very, very good fight. And if you haven't seen it, obviously it's going to be repeated Saturday night, I believe, on either Channel 5 or Spike TV, uh, re- uh, replaying the Bama 25 card. And, and it was a really good fight for Ed. 
who weathered the storm early on against Cameron Nelson and got the victory, a much-needed win. And, you know, we talked to him about the changes he's made since the loss to Shea Walsh, the strength and conditioning that he has brought into his camp and, and everything else that has really made him see a new outlook in his mixed martial arts career and potentially putting himself back in line for a 135-pound world title shot. So joining us now after the break, Ed Arthur from Bama 25. Right, so War of the Words podcast behind the scenes at Bama 25, and I'm joined by the man that I don't like to show off, but, you know, I gave you that nickname, The King, and tonight you came through, you came through tonight in a fight that a lot of people have been pitching and saying that this was going to be a very, very tough fight for you after the Shea Walsh uh, matchup you lost, and, I mean... It was kind of tough. It, at the beginning, of course, Cameron came out fantastically from the gates, really put his pressure on you straight away. But you weathered that early storm, and at the end of the round, three seconds left, you get the finish. For you, how badly was that? Because it, you know, we know we had you in that dash choke early on. Was that ever actually? Was it in fully? It was on tight, 100%. At one point, it was on. It was on real, real tight. But I tried a few different. Tried to move one way. Tried to move the other way. Then I started pushing it above my chin, and I felt it. Then I felt it loosen up, and then I felt the momentum shift from him to me. But even when he was first putting up against the cage, I can, I'm a bit of a slow starter sometimes, you know what I mean? I want to get the feel of it. I felt like I needed a bit of a breath when we got in there. So I knew that once I was on the cage, I was going to take my time because the biggest thing I worked on for this fight, more patience. Yeah. I was too eager in some of my other fights, stumbling over my own feet, I would say, in a Phil pot fight, things like that, you know what I mean? Like I'm trying to punch him so bad, I'm falling over my own yeah. feet. So what I've done for this fight was patience, look for maybe one, two shots instead of charging him with five. So when I was on that 50-50 against the cage, I'm just going to take my time. I could feel I could feel that, what's the word for it, that, you know what I mean, that eagerness from him, but over-eagerness. Me, I was calm. And then when I came out of that daft choke, I felt the momentum shift, and I felt it shift big. For me, that momentum shift was very similar to the fight with Phil Pot, whereas the first round, we saw him, you know, he, he was controlling the fight, he was controlling it. You came out in the second, you came out the blocks, and there was no chance for him there. For you, after you got out of that daft choke, it seemed like Ed Arthur had sprung into life, he'd had a bit of a test, he'd felt out what Cameron else had to offer, but then it was all your game. We were just speaking to your coach um, a little bit there before um, we, we came on the air, and we're talking about strength and conditioning and how important that was you for you this time around. Was that like a major element in, in you feeling more comfortable out there? And before I started my strength conditioning with my strength conditioning coach um, at Gem Performance and Wellbeing, my good friend Jack McClinery, he, I kind of felt like I had a body of like a like a teenage boy. You know what I mean? I had the mind of a of a worry that I ain't gonna stop charging forward. You know what I mean? Sometimes I feel like I'm born into a different life. You know what I mean? But my body, I just felt like it was like a little kid. So when I started that strength and conditioning, I could just feel my body developing over time, you know what I mean? And I feel like it's nearly there, you know what I mean? Like I'm a real, I've always been a fighter, that's never been doubted. But the athlete side of it started yeah. to grow, you know what I mean? My, my Not just things like my strength, my recovery, my flexibility, my mobility of my body. Like I started working with my friend Jack, um, sorry, I mentioned Jack, Damien Wilkins motion development coach to try and get that yin and yang of the strength for conditioning hard and soft trying to really see what my body can do you know what I mean and when I was in that fight and like you say I got out of that dive choke I felt like I sucked the energy out of him I felt like it went from him to me like I went to 200% and he went to zero you know what I mean and I knew right then 
It's mine. Yeah. I don't care if it went right to the end and I finished him at the end or if I finished him with 20 more seconds. I knew I had it. I knew it was over. Is it head off for 2.0 for you? <laughs> you know, we talk about the strength and conditioning, the patience. Everything seems different about it. Even talking to you now, it's, it's just everything's so calm. I tell you what I worked on, being happy. It's a powerful thing being happy in your life, man. I spend too much time getting sucked into like, like, you know, who am I gonna fight? You know, what's he gonna do? This and that and all this type of bullshit. I, I can't be bothered for any of that no more. I just wanna have fun, enjoy myself, keep training. You say Adar for 2.0, but I'm just evolving one day at a time. You know what I mean? Like, like my coach always talks about, if you have love for this, it will just, it will just come through, good things will happen. And I'm just, I'm taking the pressure off myself. I'm having fun, you know what I mean? I'm one of them people that, if you don't see me for four months, I made 2.0, 3.0, 4.0, I'm on another level every single time. King Ed Arthur is of course back now. Yeah. Ed Arthur, whatever point oh we want to call it mm. for you. Do you have any aspirations right now, what you want next? Or as you say, is it time to chill and just wait for things to fall into place? Whoever, whenever. Big thank you Ed Arthur for joining us on the World of Words podcast. See you in a bit, yeah. Cheers man. That was Ed Arthur there talking about his new outlook in life uh, against Cameron Else. And uh, we did really see that from Ed Arthur. He looked lean. He, he looked so much better. He looked like he'd built some muscle mass. And, and of course, we talked about that strength and conditioning brief. But he, he looked really good. And to say he weathered the storm, that was the experience of him, which Cameron unfortunately doesn't have. He doesn't have the, the depth of experience that Ed does. So it was really, really fantastic to see Ed use that experience and utilise it in a very tricky predicament that he was up against, against Cameron House. But yeah, that was our first interview from Bama 25. And now moving on to the premiere interview of this week's show. Genuine, genuine pleasure to speak to this next man. He was uh, at Bama 25, of course, cornering Tom Ducamois, one of the best coaches in the world without question, Coach Greg Jackson, who does talk about Tom Ducamois, his, his huge rise, and the potential future of him as well. But also, I, I, I managed to briefly speak to him about John Jones and his upcoming fight against Daniel Cormier at UFC 200. Some nice little insight there as well, especially about Daniel Cormier, who says that if he fought the variant of John Jones that beat OSP not too long ago, UFC 197, he would have been the victor there. So I got Greg Jackson's opinions on that and Tom Ducamore as well right after the break. Greg Jackson here um, at Bama 25, and uh, we've just witnessed Tom Ducamore become the first promotional dual weight, two weight world champion. I know how closely he's been working out in Albuquerque, in New Mexico, at Jackson Wing, uh, your gym. He's been working there for some time now, but this was the first time that we saw him uh, have a full time camp over there. How have you seen the growth of Tom as, as he's been over there in New Mexico? What, what's the growth been like for him? 
Uh, it's a real pleasure because you can really see him uh, with a lot of good sparring partners, a lot of good coaching. He has good coaching uh, in, in France as well. So he comes from very good coaching and then having a lot of uh, different coaches and a lot of different uh, sparring partners from all over the world really elevates your level. So um, it, it's fun to watch him grow um, from where he was to where he is and then to know as he continues to grow where he will be. I mean, I've spoke to Tom before the fight and I spoke to him on numerous occasions and we, we know how much he speaks highly of his father and his training in France and I wanted to gauge with him like how influential you have been in, in his fight game and not just you but everyone, you know, Brandon, um, you know, Mike Winklejohn as well and, and the way that he spoke of you all is if, if you all helped him find this next level uh, as a fighter, it, you know, for him as for any, you know, not just any guy coming into a gym, but for a guy like Tom Dukumar, who's one of the most humble guys you, you can find as a coach, as someone like you or, or Mike, what is it actually like to work with someone that you know is so hungry to make themselves the best guy in the world? Well, he's in good company. Um, there's a lot of guys like that in there. Um, what sets him apart is the, his, the uh, uh, intelligence with which he trains. Um, not just in training, because there's a lot of smart guys there, but the way he handles his career, the way he thinks about things. Um, he loves opera. I love opera. So there's a lot, um, a lot there that I really like about him, which is one of the reasons I'm out here. Uh, I, uh, I really believe in his future. I, obviously, he's something special, and uh, guys like that don't come along every day. Always, everybody asks me, what makes a champion? What makes a champion? And it's such a combination of different elements. You have to be able to have physical talent, coachable, handle your life outside the cage, intelligently always want to grow and progress. There's so many elements that you have to have, and Tom has all of those. That's the thing with Tom. Uh, when, when I spoke to him, he said it's more than just what you do in the cage. It's more than what you do when you prepare. It's about being a role model outside of the ring. Is, how much does that actually play into it? Because we know that you can be someone so talented, they can go into the cage and they can be the best MMA fighter in the world. But what they're doing outside of the ring, how does that reflect on the fighter who they are? Well, it's good for uh, you know kids and stuff to see that, but it also practically elongates their career. You're gonna if you're partying all the time and you're having a great time, your career will be shortened. Um, and nobody believes it while they're doing it, but then it, all of a sudden it hits you. Um, what Tom's doing very smart is he's going to have a very long career a safe career and uh, it's really a nice benefit that in addition to all of those things practically um, it's nice that the kids have somebody to look up to that's a really good person. I know he has one fight in his Bama contract left but everyone's always talking about the next step for Tom because he's such a special fighter. He's got two world championships now. He, he said you know Bama's his home right now but when looking towards the future how do you think that Tom you know, slots into that 135 division in the UFC because I know there's a lot of really tough guys there. There is. Um, it's the best of the best there and uh, I think he's going to stack up just fine. I have a lot of belief in him. Um, I think he can go all the way to the top if he continues to do what he does. And uh, Bama's been great to him. Um, like I said, I'm glad it's his home. I, I like it here as well. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what he wants to do. But uh, he can definitely uh, uh, compete with the best in the world. Is this going to be a regular thing now? Are you going to be traveling with Tom for all his fights? Yeah, I'll probably be around if he still wants me. So, yeah, yeah I'll probably see my ugly mug again. <laughs> How have you been finding England? I know you were just saying there um, before we came on the air that you, you're really loving it here in Birmingham. Yeah, I love England. Um, I love coming here. Uh, it's such a, an old country with so much culture. And uh, for me, I'm a history guy, so I really love, you know, I like to go to the castles and the museums, and I just have a blast here. The people are very friendly. The martial artists are very respectful. It's a very positive scene here. So I quite like it. You know, looking at the UK MMA scene as a whole, you know, we've seen a couple of really good fights tonight, and a lot of guys who potentially could throw their hats in to be something in the future.
future. How good is it to, to you know, come out of the, the bubble of the United States of America and global MMA to see that in other countries that MMA is progressing just as well as anywhere else? Well, it's fun because the, our gym has so many other countries, including lots of great uh, British fighters that come to the gym. So you get a real sense of the, of the depth and talent from everywhere, um, Australia, Japan, Norway, Chechnya, Dagestan, uh, the UK, France. You really get a gauge of how it's becoming a, a, a world sport. And I'm very happy to say that, that uh, the British fighters are right in there. They're not being left behind. They're, they're, uh, they're innovating and pushing. And uh, it's important that shows like this, like Bama, exist. Um, they have to, you have to farm your talent and, and build people up. And I think it's very important. And, and so uh, I hope Bama stays around for a long time because it's very important. You know, you talk about building guys up, and you know, Tom's at the moment. He's he's progressing in his career. And then you look elsewhere in the gym. You've got a guy like John Jones, who's going to be headlining the biggest card of the year, UFC 200 against Daniel Cormier. You know, when you are a coach and when you get to work with all these different levels, is that where you get to find the best in you? When you get to work with people on so many different levels of fighting? Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's fun to to be a coach, no matter where you are, no matter who you work with. For me, it's so much more about the process than it is about where people are because I see things fluidly as in where they will be. So um, I, it, it's a lot of fun to coach them at every level, um, and there's not one that I prefer over the other. Last question now, Greg. Um, you know, John Jones, as I've just, we just kind of talked about him there, UFC 200, how is everything going for him at the minute? You know, preparation is a huge rematch. We saw in OSP he was a little bit rusty in that fight. Daniel Cormier kind of criticized him for that. Do you, do you think that it was good to get that fight out of the way and not fight Daniel Cormier then than it is to be fighting him on, in July? Uh, John rises to the level of his competition, so he, I, I feel that he would have beat Cormier that night as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm glad that we got to, got some of the, the kinks out and, and uh, was, were able to get some of the rust off of us and, and train hard. But uh, I have a lot of respect for Daniel Cormier. He's a very tough opponent, um, and uh, it's gonna be the, I think it's going to be the fight of John's life, and uh, I hope he'll rise to that occasion. You know, the fight of his life. What word do you look after that, though? Because, you know, we know that they've had a, a huge, deep, embroiled feud with each other. They don't like each other. But for John, he's dominated light heavyweight. I know that it was a tough fight against Gustafsson. I know this potentially could be another tough fight. But he's, he's held his own, and he's held that championship. I know we've got a couple belts out there, but there's only one world you know, real champion. Is heavyweight looking more and more likely now in the future? I don't know. You know, I'm not the manager. Um, if they go to heavyweight, then we'll put them plans together for that. If he stays at 205, I'll put plans together for that. It doesn't matter to me too much where he goes. That's more for the fans and for everybody. For me, uh, I just try to solve the math problems in front of me. That's it. Greg, thank you so much for taking the time to talk. I really appreciate it. So I think that's pretty much it for this week's War of the Words podcast. You have it there. We have Pietro Menger on the show, Ed Arthur and Greg Jackson, an absolute trio of world-class mixed martial artists, an absolute trio of guests there who really did deliver with their appearances on this week's War of the Words podcast. It was genuinely a, a real pleasure of mine to talk to all three of those. Pietro Menger, a guy on the... In the Pietro Manga, a guy on the rise right now. He's got a big opportunity at Bellator. And Arthur, who's reinvigorated his career with that win against Cameron Nelson. Of course, no introduction needed for Greg Jackson, one of the best coaches in the world. The 2010 Coach of the Year as well. So those was it. So those were our guests on this week's War of the Words podcast. I will be a Warrior Fight Series 6 this weekend. Really looking forward to seeing Dominic Wooden in action 
there. One guy that everybody's talking about at the minute from his amateur career. Now he's professional. He's 2-0. and And it is a lot, a lot of hype going into him right now. Definitely a man that a lot of people are picking, uh, pipping to be one future star for UK MMA. So it's going to be great to see him there. And also another guy that a lot of people are talking about, Charlie Boy Howard as well, who will also be in action fighting for the Amateur Lightweight Championship as well. So Warrior Fight Series 6 this weekend, this Saturday at York Hall. <coughs> this Saturday at York Hall. Big show for Warrior Fight Series, Harry Shoe Ridge. It's going to be um, my, my pleasure to actually be from there for my first Warrior Fight Series show. So really looking forward to that. We'll have all the wrap-up uh, at MMA Mad on the MMA Mad YouTube channel. Hopefully get some interviews afterwards. We will definitely be speaking to Dominic Wood in there to, to see if he lived up to the hype and if he notched another win in his column. So that's Warrior Fight Series 6 this Saturday, York Hall. And yeah, that's pretty much it, guys. You know, it's genuinely great to be to be back with the World of Words podcast. I know it's been a while and, uh, you know, <laughs> I lost a little bit of momentum, I, I will admit. But, you know, going back from here, we're going to go back to one show a week. Going to be cranking out those guests once again, hopefully getting the best guests that you guys really want to listen to. So please, if there's anybody you want to hear on the show, drop us a tweet at War of Words Pod, or you can tweet me at Andre and Giorgio. Not much analysis on this week's show. I really just wanted to reflect uh, on Bama 25 and kind of look ahead to Bellator 158. But next week, I'm going to try my darn best to get the man, Justin Go Lightly, back on the World of Words podcast, and we can break down some of the, the biggest topical analysis in mixed martial arts at the minute. So guys... Do appreciate you listening to the War of the Words. Do appreciate you joining us for our return episode. And please, please, please stick around because we'll be back next week and the week after and the week after that. The momentum will keep rolling for War of the Words podcast. So, guys, big thank you for listening. I've been your host, Andreas Georgia, and we will see you next week.